It's Tuesday on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day, and I hope you guys are as well. Really good show coming up. Vikings are dominating our attention and the headlines, and certainly this podcast. Not really new for you know the Monday and Tuesday shows, usually during NFL season, but especially now as the Vikings deal with the season-ending injury to Kirk Cousins, the trade deadline today, speculation about what they will do. Will they try to seek an upgrade at quarterback? Will they roll with rookie Jaron Hall this week? Maybe hope to get Nick Mullins back a week after that. Um, a lot up in the air right now, more than I could really imagine being up in the air for a team that was one and four just a few weeks ago. Now they're four and four. These decisions get harder because they've played better lately and now, you know, forcing their way back into perhaps the playoff race at the very least. So we'll get into that with Andrew Kramer here in a little bit, kind of break down the film of what Jaron Hall did well during the preseason and in this brief audition against the Packers the other day kind of what what his game is all about, what the Vikings might look to do if he is the guy, and maybe what some of their options are if they decide, hey, we 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 need an upgrade. We need to go, you know, go beyond just Jaron Hall or even Nick Mullins. So a lot of things in play right now, and Andrew and I will talk about those. Keith Rashad joins me in a little while for Vikings Poetry, talking through, you know, more of that Vikings game and also looking ahead to some of their other more interesting issues. Um, Got to talk about the World Series a little bit at the end because it was I struck it struck me when I walked the dog this morning in snow. That we could be uh, we could be hosting games you know games of the World Series right now in a different scenario and what that would feel like right now unusual to have snow this time of year although a lot of Minnesotans will remind you that maybe just maybe maybe thirty two years ago we got a pretty big Halloween blizzard after the last time the Twins did win the World Series different times different stadium different ballpark they were inside back then and it would not have mattered if they had been playing at that time. First, though, what did I miss? Let's talk Timberwolves for a bit at the start of the show. Don't need to break down every single game they play, but, you know, they, they lost to the Hawks on um, on Monday night, had a 19-point lead at halftime, 79-60. to 60. Everything seemed to be going well on offense. They seemed to have finally unlocked what they were wanting to do on offense. Um, everything was looking good. The entire lead was gone by the end of the third quarter. Ended up getting outscored 67-34 to in the second half. They lose by 14. Um, just, just disappointing, right? Like, however you arrived at that final score, it was going to be disappointing. But it seems particularly disappointing because this is a Wolves team that has shown this pattern, right? That, is, that has had the inability to finish off games against, you know, Atlanta's not a bad team, but they're kind of a team in transition right now. They're trying to figure things out. They made the John Collins trade in the offseason. They're kind of trying to figure out what they've got, what their new identity is. They still got Trey Young, though. They've got DeJounte Murray, who had a big game. They've got a lot of pieces, but this is a team that, you know, if you're up by 19, you'd like to figure out a way to keep the pedal down, and they just couldn't do that. A lot of fans have decided that Chris Finch is the culprit, the root cause of this team's problems. They're 1-2 and two this year. They had an uneven year last year where they made the playoffs but didn't feel like they maybe maximized their roster talent. So Chris Finch started to hear it some from the fans. Um, I think fans have decided that Carl Anthony Towns is, to a degree, the problem as well, and I don't necessarily disagree with that, although... Again, three games into an 82-game season, I'm willing to be a little bit patient as we watch this evolve. 
Sometimes another team gets hot. Sometimes another team, you know, does things that take you out of the game. So you can't just make snap judgments. But noticing more and more people getting antsy about Chris Finch, the head coach. And here he was after the game trying to explain what he saw happening as that lead evaporated in the second half. Well, I think we all realize that, you know, the game today, is, you know, no lead is really secure. Um, you know, I didn't think that we necessarily lost focus. I do think that... Um, you know, once we missed a bunch of shots, you know, we kind of let our defense down, and that's the biggest thing. But, you know, I think our focus was – well, I don't think we came out lackadaisical. I thought we came out doing the things that we um, had done in the first half. They changed their defenses a little bit for us. Um, but uh, it was just, you know, we needed some shots to go in to kind of give us some breathing room so we could reset the game. So again, the thing you have to decide at this point in the season are are, are these things one-offs? Is the offensive, you know, struggle against Toronto in the opener is that a one-off? Is the inability to finish off a game in Atlanta is that a one-off? Or are these the beginning or continuation of trends that we saw a year ago where this team is just not consistent enough, even if it wants to think things have changed? That's what I'm going to be watching for as the season goes along. That's the answer we don't have yet. But what I see right now, like I said, is a fan base already antsy, already waiting to jump on the things that go wrong, and particularly waiting to blame the head coach for them. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. Let's bring in Andrew Kramer right now for a film review. Be a little bit different this week, Andrew, because I think one of the players we want to focus on barely played, but suddenly becomes a player of interest in the wake of Kirk Cousins' season-ending Achilles injury. Fifth-round rookie Jaron Hall comes into that game and is asked to do probably more than I thought he would be asked to do while protecting a two-touchdown lead. Has a couple of good moments, has a couple of really bad moments, um, but they do get a, get get out of there with the win. They're four and four now, Andrew. Um, and before we get into like what Jaron Hall does, what he did in that game, maybe you could just weigh in on the the overall impact of the Cousins injury and where you think they might go from here. Because you guys obviously did it on Access Vikings, Royce and I did it some already on Monday. But I'm I'm interested to hear what you kind of think, having had a day to digest where they're at. Yeah, with the trade deadline coming up um, Tuesday. Tuesday Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, this it, it really kind of throws uh, a wrench into the whole crossroads that they were at and where they thought they were headed with Kirk Cousins, which was, um, you know, is a reunion, you know, uh, possible? Did we just kind of fall back in love again after the uh, contract extension talks broke off in the offseason? Because he was playing very well. He was playing very well throughout the season, very well Sunday at Lambeau Field um, until that injury. And it just sets, it kind of blows up where they were at with him. Uh, it sends him into a nine to 12 month rehab, probably depending on the severity of that tear. Um, it makes any team interested in Kirk moving forward, have to be hesitant about how much money they give him, what's guaranteed. It really screws things up for Kirk, but then it kind of 
perhaps fast tracks the Vikings into that quarterback of the future, whoever that is, whether that's another bridge quarterback into a rookie uh, next offseason or what. I don't really think there's much to the talk of them acquiring a quarterback. Uh, Kevin O'Connell said after the game, you know, there's going to be a lot of opinions on which direction we go yeah, uh, and what we do. But I think Kevin has a very complicated system, uh, an offense that we've seen Sean Mannion, Kellen Mond struggle out of last offseason. Um, I don't think there's going to be a, a fit necessarily available, a guy that's looking to get out a Kirk Cousins type on a sinking yeah. team, you know. Um, so I just don't see the solution for them in the trade market, nor do I see this team ready made to just bring in a veteran quarterback on the fly and try to make something of this season. They were already winning in the margins and barely winning these games until Sunday, at least, uh, with Kirk, who knew the offense inside and out and was operating it very well. Um, so it, I, I just think Quasi is going to be level headed about this. I think the front office probably will be and realize that, you know, Nick Mullins might be the best solution moving forward. They won't have him for at least another week. So unless something happens that, you know, they add another veteran that they like or or do make a trade before Tuesday at deadline, almost certainly seems like it will be Jaron Hall who came in in relief of Kirk Cousins in this game. Um, You make really good points about, you know, learning the system, things like that. I mean, there's been all sorts of wild things thrown. I mean, you saw pro football talk like is anybody else thinking about tom brady they tweeted that i was like i mean he's like this i don't feel like this team is ready made for a championship like this is this is a team that was one and four we were asking kirk cousins if he would want to be traded to another team just a few weeks ago like it looked like they were going to get stripped down and sold for parts they've beaten a bad bears team barely since then they've beaten um the 49ers which was a very impressive win although 49ers now lost three in a row they look like they're in a tough spot they beat the packers who don't look great i mean i'm not taking anything away from those wins i'm just saying is this really a team that could you could you imagine this team going on a super bowl run with kirk cousins and without Kirk Cousins, is there anybody who even comes close to playing as well as he was right now? Yeah, no. And, and the New York Jets already kind of went down this path, yes. right? Like it was with an Achilles tear uh, yeah. at quarterback. So I think we've already seen that it, there was a team that needed that solution and they've struggled to find it uh, for whatever reason. And the Vikings aren't that team. They do not have as, as good as Brian Flores has been with these the, the personnel that is limited without Davenport and um, just kind of a cast of misfits really on defense. Um, they're not the New York Jets. They're not dominating people up front. They're not going to win a bunch of 13 to 10 games. Uh, I think the fascination that all these you know national media types want to jump into the fray with all these ideas is because you see like a San Francisco team last year go down and be without um, Brock Purdy in an NFC championship game. And then the report comes out that Kyle Shanahan was ready to call Phillip Rivers if they made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like that's really fun to play fantasy GM and kind of plug that in there because the Niners were a legitimate Super Bowl team. Yes. To your point, the Vikings are not. Uh, and frankly, I just don't think that that kind of piece, even if it is a veteran, even if it were, let's say in the magical world of Tom Brady coming to the Minnesota Vikings, I still don't think they're a Super Bowl team. So what did we see of Jaron Hall? Limited sample size. On uh, on Sunday, I was surprised at how much O'Connell had him drop back and throw. I mean, one of the, you know, one of those ends up being a fumble that costs them field position and gives the Packers a good chance to get within a score. 
defense holds, and we'll talk more about the defense in a little bit. But I was surprised at how much trust in a in a limited way they had in 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 Jaron Hall to to throw the ball in that game. Yeah, credit Kevin O'Connell, who when um, Nick Mullins went down and went uh, on IR three weeks ago with the lower back injury that popped up in practice, Kevin O'Connell said, we're going to have a different plan for Jaron Hall. In the event he has to get into a game, we're going to have a curtailed version of this offense that he can run and that he feels comfortable running. And that allowed him to kind of operate the huddle, operate the cadence, get in and out of what they wanted to to run at the line. And it is a he had the arm sleeve just like Kirk. He was trying to run it just like him, but it is a truncated version of what they're doing. And that, again, goes back to the head coach understanding the quarterback, not just throwing him into the deep end. And it was 11 plays. It was three of four for 23. He had the one good throw to Hawkinson that helped uh, burn the Packers timeouts. Um, so in a limited sample size, you saw him look poised uh, and, and composed at least, which is good. In a full start, full game week, all the first team reps and practice he might get this week, it's going to be so much different. And Jaron talked, uh, I talked to him after the game, and he mentioned how much he's learned from Kirk about how he prepares for games and and how he doesn't really have time to think about how surreal or difficult it's going to be because uh, it does seem like he's going to be starting on Sunday. What did we learn about him in in the preseason? I mean, you spend a fifth round pick on someone, you must like him at least enough to think, hey, well, what do we have? What do we have here? I mean, he's older; he's twenty five, right? He's not he's not young even for a rookie. What what did we what did we find out about him through camp and the preseason? What does he do well? What does he struggle with? Doesn't seem like he's an overly big quarterback, but what what are his strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, I think he he um, is mature for his. I mean, he's also twenty five, so he actually yeah. is old for a rookie quarterback in the NFL. But he was a two year starter uh, in college and came in with at least some experience and maturity about how he handles uh, failure and and frankly how he went through a tough portion of early in the preseason, early in training camp, where he wasn't doing well, just operating the show, running the huddle, all these things. You have seen those strides throughout where he's running more with these progressions on time, uh, at least to the layman uh, like me watching from the sideline. You can see more of a, a comfort in the offense. And I think you saw him get better throughout the preseason. Those performances and numbers did kind of bear out. Um, overall though, there's still limitations of who he is physically. He's a small player, doesn't have the strongest arm. The ball seems to take a while to get there while, when it's traveling in, uh, downfield. Um, there's a reason he was a fifth round pick. And frankly, I don't even know if he was the Vikings top choice for mid round quarterback. Cause a lot of those guys kind of went in the fourth and fifth round this year. Um, but they liked him among the two or three that they really liked from what we heard in this draft and he's shown at least some growth, which is good. Um, but I don't think they'd be sitting there naive enough to say, you know what, we're going to give him the rest of the year. Um, I think fans can be, and, and even media can be a little naive and saying, you know what, give the kid a shot and see what he's got. Uh, this was a five year uh, college player, two year starter who uh, was a fifth round pick for a reason. Nick Mullins, on the other hand, has a body of work. You know, it's it's up and down. There's a reason he's a backup, but they have they must have a certain amount of of trust in him. Here's a guy who started 17 games in his career, although he's five and twelve as a starter with all of those starts. So most of those starts coming to San Francisco, one with Cleveland. That feels like a more viable option, but you know, it does make you wonder like how how much they like him and really how healthy is he gonna be? Yeah, Nick Mullins uh, still walking around at least last week with the um, pulse patches, like those electric, yeah. kind of, they, they send the signals or whatever to kind of 
uh, massage your back or whatever. Like he's dealing with some back tightness, back locking up on him for a few weeks. And the Vikings did say, or Kevin O'Connell said uh, after the game on Sunday that he's getting stronger. They do feel like he's close to coming back. So um, I think O'Connell used the words. He's a real possibility for us. And he said, I wasn't sure about this week. Well, we are sure he can't come back until that Saints game. So yeah, Nick Mullins is going to be able to operate the offense, which is what the Vikings need. And he's going to be able to probably do it at, at a better pace um, and just ability than a Sean Mannion or an older journeyman. Uh, and we saw that too with, with the times that Mullins has gotten in there and, and really been the best quarterback in these preseason games for them. Um, so that that is a good fallback to have. And it's great that they've got the skill talent that they've got. And frankly, Kevin O'Connell and Kirk we're both kind of on a heater here these last few weeks of how they were scheming up things on third down, uh, finding the openings, Jordan Addison really getting into a rhythm, Justin Jefferson coming back eventually in a few weeks. Uh, if Kirk was healthy, who knows what's going to happen now? Um, so with Nick Mullins getting in there, I think they can still be a decent offense down the road. Uh, it's just going to not have the same timing, precision, accuracy as the hundreds and thousands of reps uh, that Kirk gives you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, some interesting things too. It's just like they're three and zero now without Jefferson. Which, who would have thought that? I mean, we again three weeks ago we were talking about trading a bunch of players and not tanking, but like, hey, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they won three or four games all year. Now they're four and four. Like this become this became more complicated because of how well they've played lately. Like if if they don't go on this little you know, three game winning streak and they're one and seven or two and six right now. The the answer is pretty clear. Like you probably just play Jaron Hall, see what you got and then draft your guy. Yeah. How about this? They, they could mess around and even with Jaron Hall win <laughs> potentially against Taylor Heineke and the yeah. Falcons. You you could beat potentially Derek Carr and the Saints who have looked awful in moments. Um, we, yeah. That easy stretch of the schedule with Nick Mullins, especially, I think becomes even more winnable than it would be if you were facing the Eagles, the Niners, the Chiefs without Kirk Cousins. Uh, You went through that tough schedule or tough portion with him and without him um, going against the easier side of things. um, If you mess around and win some games, now you're going against directly what you want. If you're the front office, you should be rooting for losses. You should be rooting for this team's not going anywhere. We want as high of a draft pick as possible to try to get that successor because the guy we started to feel really comfortable about again uh, might not be on the field to start week one in 2024. So uh, it's it's quite the situation they find themselves in, and and maybe they do end up losing more of these games than winning, uh, which solves that problem of getting a better draft pick. It's so strangely full circle, too. He has the Achilles injury. Um, Aaron Rodgers had the Achilles injury in week one. Rodgers, of course, longtime Packers quarterback. This happens in Lambeau. Jordan Love did not look great in that game, but the Vikings also made him not look not great. I mean, one thing that should give them, I think, hope that they can, you know, sustain some level of play is really it's been the defense by and large that's been, you know, complimentary football at the very least. But, you know, you look at their first two wins for sure against Carolina and Chicago, they hold San Francisco to 17. They hold Green Bay to 10. Like it's been the defense, like the offense hasn't scored more than 24 points in a win this year. That's, you know, that's, that's telling you something. Yeah. And I think, I don't know the numbers on this, but just rewatching the game, I wouldn't be shocked if this was the lowest blitz rate the Vikings had in a game. And that 
my friends, is the confidence meter from Brian Flores on how much he thinks your quarterback can actually do damage. If he thinks that quarterback's dangerous, for the most part, he will blitz the heck out of him just because he doesn't want to give that quarterback like Justin Herbert any time to buy time and find the open guy way downfield against young defensive backs who can be susceptible in coverage. Um, against Jordan Love, they dr- they've rushed three, they rushed four. Uh, they tried to confuse him at the line, but they often dropped more guys than they rushed. Um, and that, to me, just showed that, that there's just no confidence from the Vikings in Jordan Love. And there was certainly no confidence in the Packers and Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love um, because they were playing just a conservative, tight offense. And they still couldn't even do that. They were missing short throws. They had 11 penalties for almost 100 yards. Um, they had six, five or six drop passes in this game. Um, just any number of things that could go wrong for Green Bay was going wrong. Um, and and I, yeah, we said it after uh, the game on Sunday, but if any quarterback looked better than, than uh, um, Jordan, or excuse me, than Jaron Hall didn't look better than Jaron Hall, it might've been Jordan Love on yeah. Sunday. <laughs> is that, a, I mean, is that a proper cautionary tale? I mean, it, there's been kind of this fantasy land of, hey, um, you know, Kirk Cousins has been good, but it's time to move on. Go get yourself your your quarterback of the future. Like quarterback of the future, a lot of times leads to another quarterback of the future um, because he just doesn't work out. Is this like, it, were they staring directly into the cautionary tale that is, hey, be careful what you wish for? Because even if you think you got your guy, you might not. Yeah. And maybe that's what, frankly, that might be what the Vikings front office would tell Vikings fans who have been wanting them to move on from Kirk for years and then find, take a swing on the next guy, next upside guy, because this is more often than not what happens more often than not. It's Trey Lance. It's Sam Darnold. It's Baker Mayfield. It's Jordan Love. Um, And and I've been hesitant to um, totally bash Jordan Love because frankly, this is his rookie year in terms of starts. He does not have the game experience to truly grow and develop. This is it for him. And frankly, Green Bay front office has done nothing to help him out other than draft a bunch of young kids with yes high draft picks however they are growing with him and that is not a good thing no matter how many tv broadcasters tell you they're they want this young group to grow together well it looks awful because none of them can get open and they're dropping passes and you don't have the reliable veteran that even bryce young with adam thielen has in carolina um so Jordan Love's not getting a lot of help from his team, and and he's looking poorly uh, in the process. And yeah, it is the cautionary tale of once you go into that quarterback abyss, it, it truly is an abyss. The Neil Hunter's playing at a very high level. I don't think that's um, a surprise. It, what's surprising to me is that the Vikings seem to be forming a bit of an identity around their secondary. Cam Bynum had a really nice game again. Um, Makai Blackman has done some nice things. I just, I feel like they've got more players in the secondary, or at least they're deploying them in a way. And again, Brian Flores, credit to him um, that that they look like they're they look like they're a much more functional unit on the backside than I than I anticipated them being this year. Yeah, credit um, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, the GM, for signing Josh Metellus before he played a down under yeah. Brian Flores to a two year deal or two year extension. Um, to keep him, and that that looks like a a bargain. Now it's it's six million guaranteed for a guy who's now playing a hundred percent of your defensive snaps. He's playing um, linebacker if he's not playing nickel corner, if he's not playing deep third safety with the other two safeties. Um, this is a guy who can play so much for you, and it's allowed Cam Bynum to be versatile. It's allowed Harrison Smith to be versatile. When you've got three safeties who can play deep, can play middle, can play up, blitz, and do all those things, um, the the 
quarterback like Jordan Love had no idea who was doing what. And then therefore his reads were getting uh, slowed down and it gave Daniel Hunter an extra second to get there. And all of those things where they're being so less predictable than last year, for instance, where it's, yep, Cam Bynum's going to be guarding the deep left third. We know that every single play. Um, so with, with the scheme help, you are seeing these young guys like Bynum Metellus really grow. Um, and frankly, the scheme has kind of helped them not have to worry so much about a Caleb Evans, Makai Blackman, some of these young guys that at corner that they are putting out there, or even Byron Murphy, who's had a, a kind of up and down start to his Vikings career. Um, so it's all kind of coalesced pretty well. And, and all the more impressive that Brian Flores is doing this without Marcus Davenport, uh, for the most part uh, on that line. We're going to full circle, Andrews. You're probably telling me Tom Brady's not walking through that door. Matt Ryan not walking through that door. I don't know if we want him to walk through that door anyway, but it, it does seem like the most boring solution to this is the solution that's going to happen, that they're just going to kind of stay put, maybe not be buyers or sellers at the deadline and just kind of see what happens. I think so. I think so. Maybe Kevin O'Connell or Quasey uh, has got a, something in their back pocket that they're going to pull out. But I, I just would be shocked if this was anything other than Nick Mullins um, riding this out with this team. Um, Nick has the most experience in the offense in terms of uh, trusted backups on this team. Um, he has done it before in San Francisco. Like you mentioned, he is going to join an offense or jump into one. That's got a lot of skill talent. TJ Hawkinson's still going to be a great guy for him to throw to. Um, the issue is they can't run the ball. They still I know. can't, I know. they, they still can't. Um, and they tried to give cam Akers a little bit more run earlier in this game. And he does get the six yard touchdown, which is nice. But if you go back and watch it, it was against a five man box. Green Bay <laughs> is sitting on the six yard line and they're saying, you know what? Here's five guys up front. We don't care. <laughs> You're not going to run it in because you haven't all year. And they did. And they finally did it. So they if the defense, and as soon as Green Bay put a sixth or seventh guy in the box, they couldn't run. And it goes, I, I, I argue, and we talked about this before, about anybody who says this is a great run blocking group because I see Dalton Reisner, Ed Ingram. I saw Brian O'Neill screw up blocks or get pushed back and blow up certain schemes. So there's a lot of guys that are just messing up here or there. And and sometimes it's Madison. Sometimes it's Akers who, who's not seeing the hole or is stopping. Um, this is just a bad, bad rushing offense. And it's not going to help whichever quarterback is in there. This could be an outdated take by the time this runs, but I still think Mac Jones is an intriguing. That's the only <laughs> name that that's the only name that does anything for me because he's cheap. He might be falling out of favor in New England and he buys you some time next year because he's still on that rookie deal. If Bill Belichick is willing to give away another quarterback for a mid round, well, I suppose Garoppolo was a second round pick, but if you're willing to give him up for a third or a fourth, why not? Uh, I just have a feeling that a, a potential franchise former first round quarterback might um cost a little bit more maybe. but yeah we'll see maybe maybe bill's feeling um generous again he wants to help his old friend kevin o'connell he's a <laughs> sentimental guy well andrew appreciate it as always i'm sure we'll have a lot to break down next week um until then uh appreciate it and talk to you soon thanks mike really good stuff from andrew and obviously follow all of our writers today leading up to the afternoon NFL trade deadline. Will the Vikings make a trade? Will they add someone later this week in, you know, in free agency? You know, someone someone signed who isn't on a team right now. That is a fascinating question. I don't think we know the answers yet. 
really glad we didn't find out the answers really late Monday night because that would have messed up that segment, but it didn't. We are still in wait-and-see mode, so that's kind of fun. We will we will find out, along with everybody else, what the Vikings are going to do and if they are going to seek an upgrade at quarterback. It is poetry time on Daily Delivery with my good friend Keith Rashad. I can't imagine what we might talk about in these four Vikus that you have promised me, but uh, I I think they might have something to do with Kirk Cousins and the Packers game, but I'm not 100% sure. Well, um, surprisingly few actually have to do with that. Okay. Well, let's hear number one. Okay. <clears throat> the unthinkable. Kirk is lost for the season. And it's not COVID. <laughs> you had to go there, didn't you? Why would somebody wouldn't be out for the season with COVID? Uh, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Have you not heard of long COVID? Long, there's long COVID. I, I've not heard of many players. I you know. I think uh, who's, who's it? Yeah, Rossi talked to John Stockton. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't COVID. Um, he did miss one game with COVID in 2021, but oh man, like. Yeah, it's just weird. It's weird to think about Kirk Cousins being injured because it just doesn't happen, right? Like, as much as we complain about everything else about him from time to time, you know, the ups and downs, that's the one thing that you look at and say, this is something that this guy is undeniably good at, not getting hurt, and now he's hurt. We've said it before. I will say it again. The problem with Kirk Cousins is not Kirk Cousins. It is his contract. And it was this contract that created the debate, in my opinion, in the sense that because he sucked up 173% of the salary cap, it was hard to build a team around him. Now, he is clearly a very talented quarterback and very capable. And we can talk about his shortcomings, but we've seen all kinds of quarterbacks, quarterbacks with less talent than him win the Super Bowl. Yes. So I don't think that he was incapable of winning a Super Bowl. I think that his contract made it harder for the team to put the pieces in place to help him win a Super Bowl. But he was incredibly talented and and accurate and fairly smart and maybe not as courageous as we would always want him to be, but fairly courageous in, in being able to take a beating yes. and get on the field. And that throw that he made to Addison was amazing. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. And that is not a rare throw no. necessarily for him. He can, he can do that. And so to not have that now, right. And to not, it, it gives us the opportunity to at least appreciate what he did bring to the table and lets us put aside the, the conversation about his contract, which, in my opinion, again, was still what really drove the narrative about him, even though people put it in other sorts of terms, and forces us to appreciate what is now gone and probably never going to be there again, because I don't really see a future where he's with this team anymore. Yeah, I mean, they've, you know, they've talked about, you know, what it would look like if he was back next year already. I don't know. I think you're right. It it does give you... He's not coming back. I don't think so. And they shouldn't shouldn't want him back. They have wrung every last bit of of good quarterback play that they can out of this guy. And for better or for worse, and it's kind of for worse under the circumstances, it is time to move on. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's, it, it's interesting. Like you, it, 
if it if this is the end, you'll probably remember him differently than if it had just played out where you get to the playoffs again or you come up just short and he does something to make you mad, like throw short of the sticks on fourth and eight, something like that. Like if he goes out, if if if, if that was the last game he's ever going to play for the Vikings, which it very well could be, he goes out with a win over the Packers where he's playing some of his best football lately. He's like leading the NFL in some category, a bunch of categories or like near the top in a bunch of categories. So in a way, this will this will define his legacy in maybe a more positive way than just a natural end would have. I will say the one thing what? that what so how's it gonna? It, it, he did not succeed in the way that we wanted him to succeed, and he ended up the, leaving the team because he got injured. How, yeah. I don't understand how that's. Positive. I think it changes the narrative. It makes you it it softens the Kirk bashers a little bit. How can you bash a guy who was playing well and then got hurt and then was on the way out? I think it changes the narrative of I don't know. This off stay season. on the field is all I know. <laughs> he stayed on the field for like nine straight years. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think I think the, the the Kirk bashing was twofold. It was always the contract. You're right about that. And then it was, is he equipped to win the big games, not because of some sort of like false notion of, you know, clutchness, but because he requires a certain kind of formula. He's not going to extend plays necessarily. He will, he will hang in there and take a hit, but he's not going to extend the play with his feet, get you that kind of surprise third down conversion with some kind of bit of improvisation. So that was always the other bit to me that was hard to reconcile. Like is, is this kind of quarterback equipped to win in the modern NFL, especially when he takes up that much of the salary cap, but they're certainly, they were certainly better off with him this year than they will be with anybody else they could possibly put out there right now. And I think that's going to lead to some false equivalencies and some false choices that people are going to make in retrospect. Yeah. Well, people are not that bright. Number two, please. Old things become new. I am reliving my youth. The Packers are trash. And that was, that's the problem, right? We were, it was going to be for Vikings fans. It was going to be great to celebrate how bad green Bay is like lost in all this was man. (laughs) Jordan love doesn't look very good. I think we're going to have more opportunities. We, I, we, the we sense very I well get might. is we might have some more opportunities. I, but I, you, you remember this. You remember this as much as yeah. I do, right? You remember the pre-Brett Favre. Yes. Flash it was great. It was amazing. Yeah, like, terrible. Nobody even cared about him. It was the Vikings and Bears. It was the Bears you cared about. Yeah. And, and, and I just remember watching... Bart Starr, not as a player, but as a coach. Oh, yeah. Right. Fail with that, that it, awful, awful teams. And they are, they are kind of there again. This is not a good collection of football players. I think, which, by Jer- the way, is okay. worth celebrating, right? I, yes. I know this is a somber time, and I know I'm not the only one who's pointed this out, but we do have to recognize that it is beautiful just how terrible they are. And I think Jordan Love could still be an okay quarterback, but this is year four for him. I think we are safe in at least saying that he's probably not on a Hall of Fame trajectory like his two <laughs> predecessors in Green Bay. It's 
That is possible. You're going out on a limb there. I'm going but, out uh, on a pretty big limb, and they've already got him under contract for next year, too. So they've got that to look forward to. Oh, and for us as well. <laughs> Indeed, although the Vikings will have their own long-term quarterback problems. I mean, they've, this is the thing. Like We knew that there was going to be a quarterback decision coming, and now it's like, are they going to do something right now? Do they have a short-term thing? Do they have a medium-term thing? Are they just going to stick with what they've got? Um, Kevin O'Connell talked Monday. He did not do anything to throw water on the idea that they would add somebody else at some point if they do their due diligence. So I don't know. I'm, that That's an interesting aspect of all of this, too. So we'll we'll see. Well, that kind of gets into number three. Oh, so perfect. Let's do that. Are the wild good? Have the wolves turned a corner? Football is finished. So you, you're punting on the whole season just because of this one injury? Uh, <laughs> yeah, this just one just because just because the most important <laughs> position in sports is now it's, completely it's, undetermined. It's one. Why is this one injury plus an injury? That's, By the way, they're three and zero without their best player. Let's let's think about that for a minute. Without uh, okay, Justin Jefferson, right. yeah, that's yeah. Okay, all right, that's fine. Because the defense is good. Finally, suddenly, well, the defense the defense is better. Is yeah, that's better. If, yes, they're if better. You want to say right. good? I like that. Yeah, yeah. Defense I like is they're better. better. They're better. Okay, I'll, I will concede that. But um, even in a relatively weak NFC, when when you get past the Eagles and the 49ers, it doesn't seem like a lot. Even if they scraped into the playoffs somehow, some way, it, just imagine, take a moment to imagine what it would be like with, whoever, with Sean Mannion slinging the ball in a playoff game, right? This, this is... It is over. It should have been over earlier, but this has to be the death knell of this stupid season, doesn't it? You cannot hold any hope for what can happen. Sean Mannion is not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. No. It, and right? Mannion is Mannion is not going to be the guy. It will never be Sean Mannion playing a game. Well, but whatever caliber that yes, they get, I, right? right. It, um, was Jaron Hall? Jaron yeah. Hall, Nick Mullins when he's back off IR, whoever it is. If they even or even if they sign or trade for somebody, they're not going to be. They weren't a Super Bowl team with Kirk Cousins. They're certainly not one without him. Is your point? Well, and you know you could talk yourself into something, right? Maybe like we talked about last week. Maybe they had finally turned it around a little bit. Maybe it was just all the passes clanking off the hands and the and the uh, turnovers and what have you. And they were finally turning it around, and maybe they could make a little hay with the the way that they were going. But that you just you can't see it. You cannot no. see it under under these circumstances. No, so probably not. How how are the Wild and Wolves? The Wild are terrible. The Wolves might have the best defense in the NBA. Rudy Gobert says. Oh well, yeah, and he's a very very uh, trustworthy source. Hey, three time defensive player of the year. And I should say, well, the you, Wilder... know, you definitely you definitely want him around a microphone whenever you can get it. <laughs> the Wild may not be terrible, but they don't look very good right now. Let's just put it that way. Um, okay, what's your fourth one? Okay, you're a bad person. What are you doing to kids? They were suckholing. What are you talking okay. about? All right. <laughs> Since football is over, I got to talk about something else. Okay. Right. Which I'm sure all the haters are going to love. Right. I got no more poetry for football. All right. <laughs> but, but so I, I, without my uh, permission or consent, I became the head coach of my son's hockey right. team. Yep. Okay. By default. I was, 
yeah, I was having fun being an assistant coach, just being told what to do. And all of a sudden I became the head coach of these kids. And they're fine. They're a good group of kids, but we played a game and, and our, our kids are not very good, but they're getting better. And, and, yeah. and so I like that. But we were playing this team this last weekend, right? Yep. And it was a close game, pretty tense as, as far as, as uh, <laughs> 10-year-old hockey goes, yeah. right? And But the other team had at least one kid, maybe more, that were the, – the phrase that they use here that's more uh, – people understand more is they had one kid who was cherry-picking. Yeah, right? cherry-picking, yeah. Who was up by the blue line. Yep. Well, the puck was in their defensive zone. Yeah. Right. And I got a bunch of eight, nine year olds who have never seen this before. Don't know what they're doing. What kind of coach allows a kid, not just allows, but maybe even is teaching a kid to be a cherry picker? This is where we stop that from happening. Right. This is the age when we make sure that they don't do that. What are you doing letting this kid be a cherry picker in a 10 U youth hockey game? That is just sleazy and stupid and bad. Why is it that that needs to happen with these kids? I do not like you, sir. I do not respect your coaching. And I do not think that you are a good person. I take it you guys didn't win. Well, you know. Something tells me my friend Keith might not have the temperament to be a youth coach, although he's a better man than I. I have resisted so far the lure of trying to coach my kids in anything. We'll see if I am able to stave that off over the years or if I get pulled into coaching softball, baseball, something like that, something I have a modicum of um, expertise in over the years. Let's finish with the cooler. Rangers won Game 3 of the World Series, 3-1 to one in Arizona. No threat of snow, I wouldn't think, in any of those World Series games. But imagine if the series was here right now. The World Series certainly could be in Minnesota right now. Woke up to snow on the ground. It's going to be a chilly, snowy round of trick-or-treating tonight, let alone thinking about baseball. But... These are the, you know, this is the flip side of of having an open air stadium, which I still think is the right way to go, which I still think is the right way to do the Twins ballpark. This could be a World Series in the snow, and that would not be great. So think about that as you are watching the World Series Game 4 today, tonight, and we will see if Arizona can even that series or if Texas takes a commanding 3-1 to lead. They've been such a great road team in the playoffs so far. Maybe that continues. That will do it for today. Should have Gopher Football Talk on tomorrow's show with Randy Johnson and, of course, summarizing whatever the Vikings do or don't do at the trade deadline. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again tomorrow. Tomorrow.